0: Wow!
1: Wasn't that an amazing video? I'm Steve, one of the leaders here. One of my favourite places to go for a walk is Tyndale's monument near North Nibley at Under Edge. It's a monument to Tyndale. It's uh, William Tyndale. He was born near there and he was the first person to translate and to print the Bible in English. Before that it was in Latin or Greek or Hebrew and even the priest didn't really know much of the Bible. He had a passion to do, translate the Bible because he wanted every person to be able to read it in their own language. And that got him into trouble. When he'd actually created his the Bible and um, it was available in England, King Henry the Eighth bought 6,000 of them and burnt them on St Paul's steps. Can you imagine that? Burning Bibles on the steps of a church. And then later he was betrayed, tortured and burnt at the stake. And eyewitnesses tell us that he prayed that the Lord would open the eyes of the King of England. And what was amazing, a year later, King Henry VIII authorised the the production of the Matthew Bible, which was ironically was based so much on Tyndale's Bible. And out of the Matthew Bible came King's James verses, which 85% of that Bible is based on Tyndale's Bible. Amazing. Isn't that like our God to answer such a prayer? And even today the Bible is restricted. You know just like it was in Tyndale's day. Scholars called Tyndale the father of modern English. Why did people die to bring us that book into our hands? Why down history have political regimes on the left and the right restricted or banned the Bible? Even today that is true with Iran or Iraq, places where Christian churches is growing faster than ever, where people hear the message of the bible, experience Jesus, their lives are transformed. They found out just like Asher had that Jesus is much more amazing than a delicious chocolate cake. (laughs) We're in a series looking at the bible. Why should we look at the bible? Well it's a powerful book, it's a book of love if understood properly, hope and joy and I love this story from the
0: Alpha series. I had a friend named Earl Smith. Everyone in his family was wealthy. Earl was so rich he didn't need to work and instead he started taking drugs. He took such hard drugs that he ended up in hospital at the age of 30. Someone came to visit him and gave him a gift, a copy of the New Testament. Earl was thrilled because he realised that the pages of his new Bible were perfect for rolling joints. And he rolled his way through Matthew, Mark, Luke. And when he got to John's Gospel, he finally started reading. After reading John's Gospel, Earl came to faith in Jesus Christ, and his life was never the same again. It affected everything in him and everyone around him, including his psychologist, a beautiful doctor named Tommy. She couldn't understand it. I didn't understand it, she said to Earl. I have everything. A great job, money, family, friends. And yet, inside, I feel totally empty. Meanwhile, your life is a complete mess. And you still have this extraordinary peace about you. So Earl told her all that he'd read in the Bible. He explained what it felt like to be loved by Jesus Christ. Earl led Tommy to know Jesus and then he married her. Earl and I trained together at
1: Theological College. I wonder what is your view of the Bible? Maybe you think the Bible is inspired a bit like J.K. Rowling was inspired by writing Harry Potter, or William Shakespeare with his plays. But maybe you have a different view. Perhaps your view of the Bible is a bit like that of the Evangelical Alliance, which says we believe in the divine inspiration and supreme authority of the Old and New Testament scriptures, which are the written word of God, fully trustworthy for faith and conduct. Some of you will have reacted as I've used the word supreme authority. Perhaps you've been hurt by dogmatic Bible teachers. The Bible says it! I believe it! That settles it! Well, just the mere aspect of having to interpret it is just not as simple as that. And this is something we're going to talk about today. People also have a negative reaction to the Bible because there is such a strong reaction to any kind of authority in our world today partly due to the breakdown of society, the family, loss of moral integrity and as a consequence people have been hurt and have lost trust in authority. But a second reason why people don't like authority is that we are very individualistic. That's something of our culture. You have your truth, I have mine, you do you. This has developed over a number of years. For example, Uh, Sigmund Freud, the psychiatrist, was, was one of those that things started with. He said that our personal problems were down to repression of an in desire, our internal desire, or an oppression of external sources on us. This is what causes our personal problems. So you need to do you. Be yourself. And there's some truth in that, of course. But for many of us, we will have two minds about God and the Bible, especially when you look at how it works out in our lives. Perhaps you will give mental assent to something like the evangelical statement of faith. But we are so affected by individual culture and our loss of trust much, much more than sometimes we are aware. So we approach the Bible to support our views rather than let it speak to us. We read the Bible rather than let it read us. Or in Ben's words from last week, we see to get something out of the Bible, find something, rather than be immersed in it. Sarah spoke two weeks ago about how we can trust the Bible because the Gospels are historically reliable. And as then we read the Gospels, we see something of Jesus, that Jesus claims to be God. And that's therefore, as you look at that, you think it's reasonable that he is God. And then Jesus' attitude to the Bible is that he trusts it and believes it's the word of God, as we'll see in a minute. So there are good reasons for us to trust the Gospels, trust the Bible. But why should we do that? And this is my point for today, is I think we should do it so that we may do life well and become a people of love. We should trust the scriptures. In fact, I would argue that if we're not a people of love, we have misunderstood and misapplied the Bible. So let's read Matthew's record of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendour. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Three temptations. In response to the first temptation where the devil says, turn the stones into bread. Jesus quotes from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Jesus answered it is written man shall not live by bread alone but of every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He looks to scripture to do life well and that's my point we need to look to scripture to do life well. Jesus did. The desire for food of course is a good one but like all desires they can sometimes be in excess So we need to have boundaries in order to be healthy and live life well. Jesus looked to the scriptures. Clearly we need food to survive. You know, we can have our burger and chips. We can have our five fruits and vegetables. Or we can have our slimy green smoothies. Whatever your taste is. So that we can then survive. But once we're surviving, what do we do? How do we do life? And Jesus says we need more than just bread. We need the word of God in order to live life well. Here he's pointing to the Old Testament, not just the book of Deuteronomy, but the whole of the Old Testament. And in the second temptation, again, this time the devil quotes scripture at at, um, Jesus. But Jesus trusts another scripture in order to do life well. Third, the devil took him to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, And their splendour, all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. But Jesus says, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and him only. So Jesus quotes the Old Testament in order to do life well. As I said, we struggle with authority today. One reason is we're very individualistic and maybe we've been hurt by authority. Another reason is I think we misunderstand authority. We see authority as structural authority. Governments, bosses, teachers, uh, parents, they have structural authority over us. If we don't follow the rules, we're punished. If they catch us, of course. Instead, the Bible is more like a spiritual authority. It's like wisdom, the best way to do life. Reality is like this rather than that. And if you don't do life in accordance with reality, things don't go well with, but if you do life with reality, things will go much better. But it's your choice. A defini- definition of wisdom might be living in life with, living in line with reality. And the Bible, I think, is that wisdom. Jesus didn't have structural authority. He was not in a position of power. And when you think about it, Jesus didn't come with lots of commands. He spoke often in parables or a kind of story and made statements like, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's more blessed to give than to receive. He didn't call down fire from heaven or give people parking tickets. He showed great respect for people, dignity, freedom let people choose his reality or not. At the end of his Sermon on the Mount, which really is a sermon on the Old Testament, people were amazed at his authority, unlike the religious teachers of the day. There was wisdom on how to do life, there was a spiritual authority about Jesus, perhaps like people people like followed Gandhi and Martin Luther King. Today we might follow people on Facebook or Twitter to gain wisdom. Yet Jesus is much more than just a wise man like Gandhi. According to the Gospels, Jesus is God. As the creator, he knows reality. He made it. So John tells us that Jesus is the word of God. He doesn't just speak the words, but he embodies them. He lives them out in his whole life. I've talked about Jesus and the Old Testament. Well, what about the New Testament? Obviously, the Gospels are the word of Jesus. But the rest of the New Testament? Well, Jesus told his disciples to teach people everything he told them. And he said he would give them the Holy Spirit so that they could remember what to teach and to help them. And so the rest of the New Testament is the record of the first disciples or apostles or people very close to those Apostle disciples as they apply the words of Jesus through the help of the Holy Spirit. So the Apostle Peter writes of Paul's letters as scripture, just like Old Testament scriptures. But if we're going to do life well, which is my point today, we have got to try and understand these scriptures and they're not always easy, it's complex. It's not straightforward. Even the second temptation of Jesus was that the devil brought a different interpretation. And the context of Peter writing about Paul's letters as scriptures was that Paul, he says that Paul writes some hard things to understand. And if Peter struggled to understand some bits, what about you and me? How can we understand and interpret the Bible? Well, I think it's helpful just to think about What is the Bible? The Bible Project defines the Bible as a library of writings that are both divine and human that tell us a unified story that leads us to Jesus. It's a library of writings or books that are divine and human, that together tell us a unified story that lead us to Jesus. So briefly, a few thoughts on interpreting the Bible. Firstly, as Sarah put it so well, Jesus is the key to understanding the Bible. Jesus reveals exactly what God's like. If you find something in the Bible that doesn't look like Jesus, something else is going on that we've not properly understood. The Bible project definition, a unified story leading to Jesus. Point number two, we need to think about what the human writers intended. What were they saying to their readers? What was the context? There are 66 different books in the Bible and they all have different kinds of literature and each literature needs to be treated in a different kind of way. There's very little instruction manual. There's 44% narrative or story, 33% poetry perhaps, or 23% instruction. Examples of that would be Deuteronomy, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount and Paul's letters, epistles. Number three, it's a long and complex story. Overall story is relevant to you and I. As Ben said, we need to walk around in it and it needs to become part of us and we live it out. But some parts are not binding on us. Because we're no longer in that bit of the story. The Old Testament food laws. The laws which relate to the civil laws that related to the nation of Israel. Number four. But we do live in the New Testament story. In the letters to the churches. The epistles. This is particularly relevant for us. Unless something is clearly cultural. Paul's teaching were to have ongoing relevance to Christians. He writes to his apprentice Timothy in 2 Timothy 2. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men, people, who will also be qualified to teach others. So the Bible does have 23% instruction or teaching. But also the point here is that they weren't supposed to change Paul's teaching. Paul gave some teaching to Timothy, who was to teach exactly the same to someone else and then to somebody else. There is an ongoing teaching that shouldn't be changed. But there are some things that are clearly cultural. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The allowance for slavery. The practice of foot washing was down to having sandals and dusty roads. Head covering in worship. And in this church we would say the role of women in the New Testament was cultural. And it's fine for women to speak and lead today. But even if something is cultural, the heart behind it is still relevant. Greet one another with a holy kiss. That could be misunderstood in today's culture, of course. How do we do it in lockdown? How do we do it on a Zoom? But we should have the principle. For all the complexity of the Bible, I don't want you to stop reading it. William Tyndale died that we might read it and theologians have all felt pretty much that we should read it. It's for us, every person. Some things are straightforward. The key message of the Bible is to know Jesus his love and express it, so read the Bible, asking the Holy Spirit to help you, but also be humble enough to know that some things are complex. Today, we access so much information on the internet we you know we can listen to some great Bible teachers, and that's good. I spend quite a lot of time listening to a number of teachers. The problem can come is that if You listen to one particular Bible teacher and I listen to one particular Bible teacher and they have completely different views. How do we deal with that? We need to love one another. And then, of course, there is some really bad teaching out there on the internet. And then, also, we all struggle with some bits of the Bible. As we read the Bible, we can end up with quite different perspectives to people around us, even in our own church family here in Ebby. But we want to be a church here in Ebby where every person is welcome, where we learn to love one another in amongst all our differences and not be afraid to talk about them together and work them out and deal with those things that we're struggling with. Jesus tells us the most important thing is to love God with all our heart, with everything we've got, and to love each other as we love ourselves. As I said earlier, if we're not a people of love, we fail to apply and understand the Bible. So why is it so complex? I suspect there are a whole host of reasons. Firstly, God could have given us a rule book, but that doesn't usually work. Um, People either flatly rebel, or they grit their teeth and try to follow, but only when people are looking. What is needed is a heart transformation, a buying into the story, um, catching the heart of the story. Perhaps that's why there's so 44% a story, 33% poetry. Hence Ben's talk about immersing ourselves in the story rather than finding out of command of how to, to vote, for example. Secondly, if it was simple, that you looked up in a an index of da, 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 here I've this is the verse about how to vote. We wouldn't need God. We wouldn't need to be in a relationship with God. We wouldn't need to seek Him. And it's as we seek Him and immerse ourselves in the story, and He changes our hearts and we walk around it that we then begin to think, this is how I should vote. God is after relationships. So we come back to our thought for the day. In order to do life well and to become people of love, we need to trust the scriptures. And God has left us the Holy Spirit to help us. Today is Pentecost Sunday where we remember the time the Holy Spirit came on all believers in Jesus, not just the chosen few. And the Holy Spirit is here to help us to understand the scriptures and live out and do life well. In recent years, I have slowly began to experience more of the Holy Spirit, knowing him, hearing his voice. We don't follow an ancient book. Oh, no, 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 no. But a God who is alive, not just some philosophy, some moral code, but a living relationship with the God that can be experienced, that we can know and hear his voice. At Pentecost, Peter quoted the Old Testament prophet Joel, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. God speaks mainly through, his, through the Bible, but also through dreams and prophecy. And recently I had a, a dream which I felt was a God dream. Not all dreams are God dreams. Of course, sometimes it's about life processing and it tells us something about ourselves. But this I felt was a God dream. I was in a school class and the teacher was asking questions and I was doing so well. I was so pleased with myself. I was near the top of the class. It was based on all the information I knew. Then she mysteriously said, you will get top marks if this is true of you. And she went to the back of the class, sat down at a desk and said, the most important thing is to know the Bible and live it out. Is knowing the Bible and living it out true of you? And then I woke up and I thought, wow, what a dream. You see, I've spent so much of my life trying to understand the Bible and gain knowledge. That's good. But much better is following the Bible and learning to love. And I'm still working on that one. But how does it land for you and me today? There will be lots of bits of the Bible we struggle with. Keep wrestling with them. Don't lose Jesus. We celebrate the coming of Jesus as a baby in Christmas. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater of our struggles. Today, more than ever, we will have differences of understanding the Bible. Jesus calls us to love one another. And my point today is in order to do life well, I believe passionately, we need to trust the Bible. And if we're going to learn to love, we need to trust the Bible. In fact, if we aren't loving, we have misunderstood and failed to apply the Bible. The Bible is a unified story leading us to Jesus, that we may know God's love and that we may show it to other people. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, on this day of Pentecost, would you come to us afresh? We need you so that we may know Jesus more and become more a people of love. Amen. As a way of continuing our response to God's Word and that promise of God, the more of Holy Spirit, we're going to have a Zoom communion in a, together in a few moments and it'd be so good if you could join with us. And if you can't, that's fine. May God bless all of you.